This is the Emerge and Expand podcast, episode number seven. Hi, welcome to the Emerge and Expand podcast. I'm your host, Catherine McKenzie-Smith, and today I'm bringing to you another interview in the Do Business Differently interview series with the wonderful Annie Gishiru. Annie Gishiru is the founder of Uplifting Studios, a platform dedicated to supporting online business owners to build culturally and racially diverse, inclusive, and equitable businesses. She has become a leading diversity, equity, and inclusion coach and consultant for online entrepreneurs, most notable of which is her partnership with the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, where she supports trainees and coaches. Hi, Annie. Thank you so much for being here on the Do Business Differently interview series. Can you just start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about the work that you do. Uh, Catherine, thank you so much for having me. I am a diversity, equity and inclusion coach and consultant for online business owners, uh, such as coaches, creatives and consultants. And I support them to build businesses that are racially equitable so they can be intentionally inclusive when it comes to serving in, in particular people of color such important work and I know so many people who have done your programs and just had such an incredible experience with those. Before we dive a little bit more into the incredible work that you do and uh, getting you to talk a little bit about your program and, and what that looks like in the world, let's take a little step back and I would love to know what brought you on this journey to where you are today, having an online business and doing things yeah, the way that you're doing them, having the message and the, the mission that you're sharing with the world. Mm, so I'm originally from Kenya and came to Australia about 22 years ago as an international student to study. And so the plan was always to go back home. The plan was never to stay this long. And uh, to even think of um, being a business owner was not even part of the dream. The dream was very much to come here, um, do a degree in um, mass communication, which is what it was called at the time, and uh, get into media. I was so into television, wanted to have my own talk show and be like a replica of Oprah, but me. And um, that, that was my passion. But then I came here, Catherine, and did not see any representation in terms of people who looked like me and sounded like me. Uh, I had a really wonderful um, uh, work experience opportunity with one of our leading uh, television uh, broadcasting networks. But uh, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But I couldn't see anybody who looked like me or sounded like me. And back then, my Kenyan accent was really strong. And I just second guessed myself, even when I got invited after the end of the program told, look, honey, if you ever need anything, or you'd like to come back, the chief of staff was like, we, we, we would love to have you. And I remember going home feeling so excited, but at the same time, terrified at the fact that there was nobody who looked or sounded like me. And so within a few weeks, I had really sort of found another course of action, enrolled in a master's degree to do human resource management and kind of get away from that um, being visible and putting myself mm -hmm. out there in that way. So completely changed gears and got into a completely different industry. And it wasn't until many years later, becoming a mother and just feeling that tag of wanting to go back to, you know, 
sharing stories and wanting to get on on television and so created a documentary series called True Life Stories which did really well got picked up for television broadcast here in Australia New Zealand and in Kenya and uh, it was there where the seeds began to be planted of wanting to not just tell good news stories but wanting to tell stories of people of color migrants in particular because our stories the ones that were predominantly being told and continue to be told are stories that are told from a lens of lack a lens of you're here because you've come here with a very uh, special need because there's lack where you're coming from, um, there's disease, there is um, poverty, there is just, um, and, and having that refugee status. And whilst mm. that exists, and that is a story for some, it is not the story for all. There are those who have come here on their own volition um, to study such as myself and were contributing and giving back to the Australian economy. And so how can we share those stories of rising? How can we share those stories where they're not the norm that is told, but there's so much more to us than that refugee um, status that is often synonymous with people of color. And um, also the, the struggle that is potentially the migrant African, you know, um, story or stigma or, um, you know, stereotype. And so it was then being introduced to life coaching and studying through the Beautiful You Coaching Academy and feeling the need to support our people, you know, migrant mm. women of color. So stepped into that role. And it was whilst doing that, that I really saw the gap when it came to um, our coaching and personal development industry, not serving people of color, not having um enough people who are feeling confident to approach um, coaches and not having coaches of color as well. And obviously now having had that um, experience from HR perspective, having worked in corporate for over 15 years um, as a human resource specialist and dealing with diversity and inclusion, I really saw the, you know, that there was a skill that I could bring into our coaching and personal development industry when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and also adding on to my lived experience, which I think is, 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 is way more than any degree or any qualification or training could bring to the table, and just seeing how can we begin to close that gap where we are seeing people of color being served by you know the the dominant group which is white folks how can we see them being served and being served well with integrity um and, and spaces that are created that are not perpetuating any more harm but are actually helping them to bring up the best of themselves and so that's how i stepped into what i'm currently doing now as a dei coaching consultant i love how you explained that you know, I think, and I see this, I've worked with a lot of new coaches, I've trained coaches, and I know when, and this is like just one very tiny part of what you've just said, there's just so much there that I want to dive into, that I know when it's like that decision to become a coach, start a business, you know, study something specific, that there can be a tendency to forget everything that came before and just go, okay, this is what a life coach looks like. Yeah. So that's what I need to become in order to fit in, in order to um, be successful, in order to yeah, be a part of that or identify in that way. And what I love about your story is how you brought all of the skills from 
from everything that you've done and, like you said, your lived experience, and that has really formed the structure of the work that you do and informed the work that you do and the mission that you have. Um, yeah, it's just it's very interesting to see how that has happened. And I absolutely agree with you. It is obviously the coaching industry. There is so much whiteness. There is so much privilege in our industry. In terms of not even necessarily the DEI work, but definitely if that relates as well, because this series is called Do Business Differently, what is it that you see that you maybe saw as you moved into this work and moved into the industry and started your own business that you knew from the start that you wanted to do differently from maybe the way that you had seen it be done before? Mm, What a powerful question. And this is one of the responses that I get a lot from people who choose to work with me, take on my programs, and then go on to become, you know, um, VIPs in my higher uh, program, it is the fact that, um, and for me, this was more of feeling very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Very different from others in this space, and particularly looking at those who we're doing this work in the US because predominantly that's where we have a lot of DEI, um, you know, uh, educators and also primarily within the corporate space. So having that corporate speak, corporate feel and look, which was very much not me anymore and me being more of a coach. And also um, comparing myself with those educators who come from a very different lived experience, you know, Catherine, theirs is one of, in particular for the US, where they are exposed to a lot of overt racism, if if not on a daily basis or constantly. We're seeing the headline news, like right now, as at the point of recording this, you know, We've just um, experienced or heard about, you know, the mass killings in 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 Buffalo, in the, you know, in, in New York, and you know, and a lot of race related uh, crime that continues to happen there. And so it's very easy to look at how they're teaching and how they're educating in that way and and want to replicate that and so for me the struggle when I first started was but that's not me I am not um coming at this work with a lot of urgency whilst yes there is urgency to do it my lived experience as a migrant woman of color who's called Australia home for 20 years and loves this country my experience hasn't have not lived in fear of for my life I have not seen you know police officers and felt afraid of how I might be treated and so it was giving myself permission to come into this work as I am and hold space with what I like to call gentleness, Um, allowing people to come as they are messy, permission to come to this work, not knowing it all, permission to make mistakes because we will all, educators included, make mistakes. This is a space that we are all just trying to navigate and discover together. And so allowing people to bring their humanity. And um, because I often feel that in order for us to make progress, and I think the the late um, 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg put it really, really well when she said, when you believe in something, do it in a way that will allow others to want to join you in this Mm -hmm. journey. And so I feel like if I am able to bring myself into this work and allow people to come as they are, to call them in rather than call them out, Mm -hmm. because they're people who genuinely want to get into this uh, work, genuinely want to lock arms and be allies, but they feel so incredibly afraid of how they might be treated, how they might be called out, and and just in fear of offending. And when you're in a state of fear, you cannot learn. When you're in a state of fear and um, not sure how you might be received on the other side by either educators or the people within those containers, it's very difficult for you to make the decision to want to be part of that conversation, even though you want to. And so for me, I'm doing this differently by allowing people to come as they are by, um, you know, honoring our Australian story and who we are, because ours is very different from the American story. And whilst we do have racism in a very covert sense, um, how can we still do the work? How can I hold space for those who are here? And we have those similarities in terms of the covertness, um, but educating them in by taking baby steps and allowing them to just come as they are. Wow. And I really um, appreciate what you're saying there as well around, and this was a question that I was um, wanting to ask you because I know, especially in our space, in the coaching space, in personal development, in the online business world, there is a, you know, because there are a lot of, you know, white women probably in particular in the circles that we're traveling in, there is a conditioning that we've maybe um, grown up with with this and myself included you know there's been a lot of unpacking and unraveling of that over the years and and a continual ongoing journey of this idea of like you said not wanting to get it wrong of being the good white person of you know really caring like p- worrying so much about that part that I think can sometimes take away from the bigger picture which is actually how do we reduce the harm that we do to black indigenous and other people of color to other um, people who hold different marginalized identities how can we get past that feeling of fear like you mentioned and and the yeah the fear of being perceived as a certain way when we're wanting to be the good white person or the good girl yeah what would you say to someone who's exactly where you mentioned that a lot of people are where they really want to be side by side fighting the good fight um really making changes in their lives and their businesses in unpacking that covert racism that we all just kind of have you know it's well I think once we accept that that's when we start to really learn but for someone who's sitting here listening to you and the amazing work that you do and thinking yeah that's where I'm at right now what would you say to those people well, first, I'd say join represented my program. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in, in all honesty, though, uh, Catherine, it is first starting by educating yourself. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And what I encourage my students and my clients is find something that works for you. Books are not for everyone. There are people who can, who will buy books because they look and smell good and look good on their bookshelves. Yeah, I don't know if you can see mine behind my chair. (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's just an addiction of buying books, but never getting past the back page that talks about, you know, the highlights of the book or the table of contents. So it's finding something that really does work for you. For me, personally, it is podcasts. So finding podcasts that resonate with me, that educate me, and I can you know, whack them on um, when I'm doing my morning walk. I can have them when, when I'm running errands, when I'm making dinner, ironing, doing all sorts of tasks. I can keep myself educated and part of the conversation because that's something I do easily with other things in terms of my personal development and, you know, business. I love listening to business podcasts. So that's something that's easy and accessible to me that I'm not going out of my way, ordering something and waiting for it to arrive and never quite get to it. And if you are somebody who, you know, um, or uh, reading via your Kindle, you know, try and access different authors so that it might not be DEI work, but it could be an author who's Black, who's Brown, who's Indigenous, or a person of color who you might um, not normally uh, pick to read or learn from. But that's just one of your ways of diversifying and beginning to look at things from a very different lens, an inclusive lens is what I like to call it. And so there are different ways. If you're somebody who likes to, you know, Netflix, um, there is so much to watch on Netflix and you can look for specific things, documentaries that educate you within an hour, your eyes are open, um, your jaw will drop to the ground, but at the same time, you are so much better for it than before. And that's just, that's just doing it in the privacy of your space and your home. Yeah. And then what I encourage is, Take it a, a, a step, um, a next step where you can engage with a DEI educator. And the beauty of this is whatever questions are coming up for you that you cannot ask when you listen to a podcast or read a book or watch documentaries or read whatever articles, you have um, an educator, somebody who can help you unpack that. And that's where, you know, this DEI work comes in handy from an education perspective and working with somebody like, like myself, but also finding somebody who you, you know, gravitate to. There's so many different amazing teachers out there. And I'm not for everyone. There are people who go like, oh, she's just too soft and cuddly. And <laughs> I need urgency and I need a little bit more of a kick. And that's not me. That's not my style. That's not my personality. Um, for me, it's all heart. It's all grace. It's all taking it um, at a sustainable pace. And so find somebody who you resonate with, follow them, subscribe to their mailing list, because again, that's another way of getting free material where, because there's so much of it, but you're staying in that conversation. And then when you feel ready, I am ready to take that next step, find a program that will support you to do that. And one of the programs that I have is Represented, which walks you step-by-step, step, um, not just from a business perspective, but from a personal perspective, because you cannot engage in business and not be doing the personal work. Like it, it, yeah. it goes hand in hand. And in fact, if anything, um, you need to work on the personal first before you mm -hmm. touch your business, because what Whatever you, um, however your business looks like, it stems from the inside. It stems from the values that you have and the things that make up your business are very much yourself. And so it's doing that personal work first. Mm. I feel like your suggestions there for people who are really early in their journey 
like that is just so easy. I think one of the, probably one of the biggest, so many, but a very big issue with some of the ways that um, in Australia here, you know, in our more Western um, white dominated cultures is this idea of all or nothing, you know, the binaries of it has to be, I've got to change everything and suddenly be, you know, doing all of these things and to completely change all of this conditioning um, that I've had for my whole life and suddenly be anti-racist, you know, just get it right every single time. And I love the idea of, okay, well, just what's the simplest way you can start? I really resonate with this idea of like, how do you bring that inclusivity and that diversity into everything you're consuming? Because I think that what we see a lot is the trauma of black and brown people, the trauma of the other people of color that, you know, and what their experience around the world. And there can, there's almost like a fixation on that in, in white society in particular, how can we bring, how can we be exposed to stories and the lived experience of people from all different cultures and walks of life? I just think it opens our minds up to so much more than we could possibly have, you know, ever experienced just from our own lived experience. 100%, 100% when it comes to the books that you're buying and the authors that you're reading, when it comes to the people that you're transacting with. Mm. uh, One of the exercises that I get um, some of my students to do is have a look through your bank statements and see where are you, who are you transacting with? Where are you um, uh, giving your money to? What Mm. businesses are you supporting? What doors are you helping to keep open? And that in itself, is such a jaw-dropping moment where people go like, I, I didn't even know something as small as checking my accounts to see where I'm spending money. Mm. Um, really, it paints a picture that I didn't even know existed where I'm saying, yes, I'm supporting or I want to do this, but it's not depicted by the activities um, of where I'm spending my time and money. And so it's little things like those that absolutely do make a difference and and change our perspective on things whether it's a show whether it's comedy that we're watching Mm -hmm. but it has a diverse cast Um, anything that we're really engaging with and trying to have that um, lens that is not just one dominant character one Mm -hmm. dominant group but trying to see how can I um, have more diversity and and being intentional about it because it's not something Yes, will happen naturally because we're surrounded by our very dominant culture. How Mm. do I break that mold? How can I begin to exercise that? And it all begins by taking baby steps that are deliberate, that are intentional, and really being able to to have a look back and see, how am I doing today? How am I doing last week? Or however it is, how can I incorporate this into my day-to-day life? So it's not something that is so hard to do, but it becomes something that is quite natural to do. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to ask about it from a business perspective, seeing as this is a a business focused podcast. In terms of someone, say, who's going along in their business and they're starting to do these things that you've suggested, these amazing suggestions that you've made, a lot of people get overwhelmed with just how much is needed in their business. Really, I think the idea of a business versus the actuality of it are two very different things. And there's so many different hats we need to wear, so many different things we're investing in and putting our money towards. I know that the at the heart of Represented is so much about 
you know, you actually, you know, it says on your website, I just want to make sure that I get it correct from the get-go, that you're supporting online business owners to learn about the importance of representation. So when someone is going, okay, I need to be investing in all these software and systems for my business, I'm getting maybe a business coach or I'm working, you know, doing these programs, there's going to be some people watching who know why DEI is so, so, so important, diversity, equity, and inclusion for anyone who this is a new term to. For someone who is going, how, where, where do I fit this in? Why am I got, you know, why should I invest in a program like Represented or a, another program that, that really go, goes into the anti-racism work? In, you know, when I'm prioritizing, why is this so important and something that we all need to be making a priority in our businesses? Absolutely. So as you begin to plan for your year, however it is you plan from a business perspective, and a lot of times it's putting our financial goals, what I often say is ensure that you have your DEI goals as well. As you're having your financial goals where you're saying, okay, we're planning for this quarter or we're planning for 2023, and this is how we would like it to look like I'd like to bring in this many um, clients, this is how much I'd like to make. Alongside that, have your DEI goals because if you do not have goals, you are not going to include them in there. And so as you plan for your business, ensure that you have DEI goals that go part and personal with your business. And yes, I know they're competing on priorities. Is it tech? Is it a business coach? Is it a program? One thing to remember is that, um, you know, research is now showing us that um, people who identify as Black, Brown, Indigenous, and people of color are now becoming the global majority. And so if they're being identified as the global majority, that means that in order for your business to be sustainable, in order for your business to be profitable, at some point, you will get to an area where you will need to serve people of color. You will need to have diverse clients so that your doors can remain open, so that Mm. your business can remain relevant. And if you do not start prioritizing this work early, when that time comes, it will be such a scramble trying to figure out how to do this and the urgency as well, which um, may potentially take away the, the, the humanity coming into this work as a human and potentially coming at it as trying to tick boxes. And that's when there is a more potential to cause harm because yes. you are hard pressed to get it right. You There's so much urgency in terms of um, we need to have this representation. And very much as we're seeing in the events industry where we are seeing people being called out for not having diverse panels, where it's a very much maybe white speakers and people are speaking yeah. up and saying, hang on, you know, we need to see a lot more racial diversity. And mm. I believe the same is going to happen in our industry where people are going to say, hey, hang on, you're providing this service, but all your clients are white. I mean, what's the deal there? And in fact, what I'm beginning to see now is a lot of the people who I work with and support want to do business with people who have that kind of racial diversity. There are others who will go like, I wanted to work with our coach, but I just didn't feel a vibe there. I just did. She's just supporting, you know, um, white women like me. 
I want to be in spaces where there's actual racial um, uh, diversity and inclusion. That's what I want to, those are the people who are like-hearted and I want to lock arms with them. So you see, it's not just in terms of attracting people of color, but it is also when it comes to serving people who are um, very much allies and want to do, are doing this work and want to support other businesses who are like-hearted. I love that you said that because I know that, you know, there's a lot of discomfort in these conversations that are happening online. I think we're so blessed and I'd love to know, I have a Bachelor of Mass Communications as well. That was what I studied at uni. <laughs> uh, so I love that we have that commonality. Um, and, you know, even when I, when I went to uni, which was about, what was that, 15 years ago, <laughs> yes. we didn't have social media. We didn't have this way of connecting with so many different voices. But also, you know, we see the, the good, the bad and the ugly of how that shows up online. Um, but I think there's a there's a beautiful element to it in that we just get that ability to be exposed to and and expose others to our unique lived experiences and the different um, journeys and stories that we have. But in terms of it's not just ticking a box, so, so, so important, and I absolutely agree. One of the first, and this might be helpful to someone who's just starting out, one of the first things that I did in setting a goal for how I was going to be, um, where I was going to be spending my money and putting things towards and goals around DEI was absolutely not going to any events that only had white lineups, not signing up for anything that don't have that. Such an easy thing to do. I mean, really not that difficult at all. And when you start to see that, you actually start to realize where you want to be putting your energy and your money and who it is supporting and uplifting and who it's not. And so I think the more you, you involve yourself in it as well, the more you then have the opportunity to really see where maybe a year or two ago you wouldn't have even noticed yeah. that you're being very aware of who is in your space and who's not in your space mm -hmm. and also who's being uplifted by people and, and who's not getting that opportunity to speak. The other thing I love that you said was, you know, I think as a white person, we can just, it's so easy for us to, to step back and opt out and not necessarily be super mindful. And so as much as I never want these stories to be about like, well, you're missing out on income and money by not thinking about this, they're really, that is a really real part of it. Um, there are people out there who want to give, you know, they want to sign up to work with you. And it is our responsibility to make sure we're creating that safe or that space where they can feel held and supported without us causing, us white people, causing um, those microaggressions and, and that lack of safety. We've seen so many examples of how that's been badly done. So I guess in wrapping of all of that, I love that so much. Thank you so much for sharing. Can you tell us a little bit, I guess, about, I mean, I find it really interesting and please feel free if you don't want to answer this question, that I know that you're doing this work to see more women of colour, people of colour, black, indigenous, brown people being shown, being seen, being uplifted in this way. But I imagine, and from what I've seen of your work, you work with a lot of white people. How does that work for you you know how do you set those boundaries for yourself but you know I think for a lot of white people we're very grateful for people like yourself for doing this work but at the end of the day it really is about creating 
less harm for people of colour. It's not necessarily, and please tell me if I'm wrong, this is kind of my interpretation of it. This work isn't for white people. I mean, it is, but it's actually to create a, a, a more just world for black, brown, indigenous and people of colour. Mm. How does that work for you in your business where you obviously work with and are around a lot of white people? That, that is a good question, Catherine, and I'd, I'd be happy to answer that in that I don't believe this work is um, just for us, you know, people of colour or even just for white people. I believe mm. this work is for all of us. All of us, if we are going to get to a point where we see racial equity, true racial equity, and I don't even know if that is a possibility, every single person, regardless of how they identify, needs to step up to the table. This is not something that needs to be carried by one group or led by one group. Mm. I think everybody needs to take ownership of it in their own capacity and be part of this conversation and step up to the table. The other thing is that um, when it comes to doing this work, I feel uh, this is where I can make the most difference. talking to people who own businesses, people who are in um, decision-making positions, how can they begin to create the change that we need to see? Because it's one thing to support um, people of color, which I continue to do with the affinity groups that I hold and lead and facilitate um, within different programs and different um, uh, business owners that I support. But it's another to go to the root of the issue. You see, this is not the the, the inequity that we experience from a racial perspective is not something that was caused by black people or people of color. Yes. This was caused by white folks. And so they're the ones who we need to be having these conversations with. We need to be educating because this is work that when it comes to dismantling the systems of um, exclusion, we need to do it together. This is not a a one-person job. And I know you get that, Catherine. And so I feel really comfortable doing this work and being surrounded, um, you know, in spaces where there's a lot of white women because the people who say yes, to me are people who are willing to roll up their sleeves and do the work. These are not people who are coming to sit down and give me their white gaze. These are women who are prepared. They are convicted and want to do better. They want to do more. And so I am very specific with the people I support. I have boundaries around me. And it's not just going into any space willy-nilly. Um, mm-hmm. It's really going to very strategic, specific, intentional spaces that I myself have created and calling in the kind of women who are saying, I see you and I want to do this work alongside you because um, enough is enough. It ends with me as far as the um, the sphere of influence that I occupy, you know, whatever sphere of influence I belong to, it ends with me. And I, I want to take that step with you, Annie. And so that's where I, I saw the gap. And for me, really stepping up to the table um, took the, the horrific um, public execution of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. For me to witness that, and I just felt like I can't be silent anymore. I've been silent for a long time. I have seen things go unsaid. But I feel like this is a way for me to make a space for people like me, make space for my people, people of color, make space for migrants of color so that they're able to step into positions of leadership, into positions of, uh, of influence and power. And I think more so, Catherine, for me as a mom, 
it comes back to my kids. You know, I want them to grow up in Australia where they can indeed see themselves represented, not just by way of knowing that we are multicultural, but that they can turn on the TV and see um, the representation from a racial perspective that exists when it comes to leadership and positions of, of influence, that yeah. they can in themselves dream and be anything that they would like to be, not being held back by stereotypical views of who people believe they ought to be because of the color of their skin. And so if I, as their mom, can begin to, you know, create room and begin to have this conversation conversations and occupy spaces where we are having this conversations of how can we do better? How can we create space where we are of service to people of color as business owners? What can we do to attract them? What can we do to hold spaces where they feel um, safer to turn up as they are? And we're equipped to hold that space for them. If I can do that little work, then maybe their experience might be just a little bit different and a little bit better and less bumpy than the one I've had to go through. Wow. Thank you so much, Annie, for being here, for sharing the work that you're doing. And it's just so wonderful to hear the deeper roots behind it and how you've brought your lived experience with you to be able to show up and do this work, not only for yourself and your kids and your community, but how that's impacting the the coaching space that, you know, really does need people like you in order to, to be learning and understanding and feeling that. Um, it's just been absolutely wonderful to talk to you today about this work. Now, you've mentioned represented a couple of times, but I would really love to give you this opportunity to talk a little bit, share a little bit about anyone who wants to know more, how they can connect with you, learn more about represented and even if they just want to follow along where the best place for them to find you is. All right. So the best place to find me is on Instagram. That is where I share a lot of content and uh, have a lot more engagement. And so my handle is Uplifting Studios TV. And uh, if you'd like to find out more about Represented, it is a 10-week course, online course, where a whole bunch of online business owners, such as coaches, come together and they learn together over a 10-week journey where we break down, you know, introduction into DEI, getting down to the Mm -hmm. basics, talking about the harm that racism costs, you know, white folks, because a lot of times it looks like, oh, maybe this is just a cost to those who are oppressed by this, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, this race issue. But no, there's also a cost to white folks and just really peeling the layers back so that um, those who are going through the program can actually see the, 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 the effects and the impacts and the things that they themselves may have perpetuated unknowingly and how they can do better. We end with um, allyship and advocacy and how you can then take this work um, beyond just the 10 weeks that we've shared together, how you can take this into your home and into Mm -hmm. your business and do it in a sustainable manner where you are in and out of season, part of this conversation. And not just when things are erupting as headlines that you feel like now you're going to, you know, um, contribute to the conversation, but no, you feel empowered to do it um, Mm -hmm. in your own way. It doesn't have to be how somebody else is doing it, but you can 
as an introvert, because I know you're an introvert, Catherine, that there is a way that you can speak up that doesn't involve addressing a room of people in a in like conference style, that there's a way you can speak up through the, the different spheres of influence that you have and do it in a way that makes you feel good and empowered. Thank you so much for being here. I have just absolutely loved talking to you today, Annie. Thanks for having me. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Do Business Differently interview series on the Emerge and Expand podcast. If you would like to connect with Annie further, get a full transcript from the episode, as well as all the links of everything we mentioned in this episode, you can head to emergeandexpand.com slash podcast 007. And if you're interested in taking your content and your business to the next level, I want to tell you just quickly about a free online workshop that I have coming up on the 29th of August. We'll be spending three days together with some really bite-sized but potent trainings, Q&As, giveaways to turn your content into either a paid offer or invite people into your offers via your free content. If you're interested in learning more and registering, it's absolutely free. You can head to emergeandexpand.com forward slash get paid. If you're listening to this after the 31st of August, you can also get access to this content in the Emerge and Expand membership. Just head to emergentexpand.com for more details. I will be sharing more about the membership during this workshop, just full transparency, but there's also going to be so much value and I know that you're going to get so much out of it. So I would love to see you there. And otherwise, I will catch you in the next episode of the Emerge and Expand podcast.